It is the Love and Dub cast. I am Johnny. He is Andy. Let's get right into it. We have been talking at the top of every podcast about what things are going to look like and what's going to happen and all the changes that are going on with sports. How do you, I want to take a little temperature check, right? A little non-COVID temperature check for you, Andy. How are you feeling about the likelihood of college football or just sports in general uh, making an appearance as we get into September and October? How are, how are you feeling right now? Where's your mood? Uh, not great. <laughs> not great. <laughs> as uh, as we open up the, the cast, you know, we're dealing with uh, the news that the Miami Marlins are, I don't know, all dead or you know coming down with covid uh you know you've got major league basketball players faking funerals or something to go to the strip club and leave Hell the yeah. bubble i mean i you know geez I, I i still believe that the billions of dollars tied up in college football are a pretty strong incentive for college football to happen in some form however comma man if if major league baseball which is probably more like college football than the NHL or uh, NBA in terms of examples and being able to put teams in the bubble and so on. Uh, you know, if major league baseball can't make it work, I'm not super confident that college football is, is going to make it work either. Things look like they're going okay with NBA and NHL are, are pulling it off, but they're in this bubble. MLB is probably more like college football in the sense that you can't, you can't really put all of these college football teams in a bubble. It's just not a thing that's going to happen. So Major League Baseball isn't isn't going to pull it off. Then then I'm a little concerned that college football doesn't doesn't happen. I'm hopeful that something is able to happen. I'm just, I mean, my confidence is not getting any stronger. Let's put it that way. And case numbers are up, and all of those other you know things that uh, you know, we're all dealing with. But sports wise. Man, you know, the train's barreling down the tracks. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to potential first games. You know, we're really, I mean, honestly, what are we, five weeks out maybe? Yeah, right. That's, that's not a long period of time, friends. That's what I'm saying. And it, it's funny to me because, you know, it's almost like, it's like someone who really, 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 really wants to touch a hot stove but they know it's going to hurt when they touch it. And so they're just getting slowly closer and closer to just slamming their palm onto the, the burner. And, but you know that when they do, they're going to immediately pull it off and scream and go, Oh my God, what did I do? I'm so stupid because that's what it feels like. You're, it, it feels like they're going to try to make it work. They're going to head to this, you know, understanding that, okay, this is going to cost us, literally tens of millions of dollars if we don't do this per team so we're going to try to make it work and then when it when it starts it's going to be what you see in the mlb where that hand is just on fire and you have to pull it back because it's it's just not going to work but then in maybe a week or a month people are like, oh, it's, maybe the stove ain't that hot anymore and then they're going to put it back on and it's you can't you can't have it both ways you have to either decide whether you're in it to win it or you're out if you're in it you're going to have to accept that there's going to be a lot of COVID, uh, you know, results. A lot of people are going to test positive for this thing, possibly die, right? That's a pretty horrific decision to make, particularly when we're talking about college students, particularly we're going to do it because we need, you know, a certain amount of money to sustain the sport that people are going to go back and risk themselves to do. On the other hand, if you're not going to do that and you say that's a crazy thing to have to decide and that's an insane decision to make, then you've got to shut it down. 
you've got to say we're not going to do this. You can't have it half and half because I think what would be more frustrating and would make people angrier is to try to do a football season and then stop two weeks into it and go, well, we can't do it. We can't do it because then everybody's anticipating this return to normalcy that just isn't going to happen. So make a decision and live with it. But I just, you know, I feel like an idiot because I feel on the dubcast we have been saying, I know on the dubcast we have been saying they're going to make a decision. They're going to make, they haven't made a decision yet. We don't even have a schedule yet. So at some point when they do this, they're going to have to either stick with it or look real stupid in about a month because I don't see any way that this works out um, unless you're really, really cool with a bunch of people catching uh, COVID-19 because that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball. Um, yeah. And even teams that aren't being quarantined and, and canceling, you know, classes or canceling games and stuff like that. Um, it's going to happen to other teams. It's, it, it's, it's inevitable. So that's, that's my take on it, man. And I just, <laughs> I just want one thing to happen or the other, and then I can deal with it. But this wishy-washy, you know, let's keep putting it off. I, it's just not, it is, it, it's, it feels really disingenuous to me. That, yeah, that's really what it is. I think there's one thing too that that bears being said. So I've been seeing this take from some folks on on the social media spaces, and I think it's the laziest the, the laziest of lazy takes out there. And that's that sports reporters or personalities who are pessimistic, and, and we both probably sound pretty pessimistic here about the likelihood of our favorite sport actually happening this season in some form. But there's right. this take that people who are are expressing that feeling are somehow rooting for the coronavirus. And every oh time God. I every time I read this, it, it fries my grits because here's the deal. The deal is that for most of us who opine or comment or work somehow in this um, in this business, you love the sport of college football. Like I think if you polled most of the people who work on our site or any of the other sites or news organizations that cover the sport, the reason they're in sports media is because they love sports. Of course. So, and Oh, not to mention this doesn't apply so much for you and I who are doing this because we, we love it and enjoy it. And I guess uh, like spending time together on, on a random weekday night talking about our favorite team, but for, you know, the people that work at, whether it's ESPN or uh, you know, your local news organization or, or 11 Warriors, you know, they make their living from this. So we've just been telling you that it's going to be very, very bad to the tunes of tens of millions of dollars per school if they lose college football revenue this season. Guess what, friends? That, that trickles out because if there are no college football games, you're going to see even more layoffs at the major sports media outlets than you have already seen in the right. first four or five months. And oh, guess what? There have already been quite a few layoffs and reductions in force and so on. Uh, at news organizations covering this. So if the next time you see some media personality, national or local, expressing doubt or concern about college football happening this season, resist the urge to say, why are you rooting for the coronavirus? Because that's the dumbest thing you will have ever said. I just, I hate, I hate that take for, for one major reason, really. And it really bothers me because it fundamentally misunderstands the relationship that people who are talking about this have with not the sport, but the people who are kind of administering the sport. It's not about whether or not 
a reporter or a commentator wants a sport to come back or is rooting for it. it it's about their distrust of the organizations that govern these sports. That's what it's really about, right? Like I'm pissed that Ohio State isn't reporting their testing numbers and talking about that more and being more transparent about it. That's That bothers me. <laughs> And because you see that lack of transparency and because other you know governing organizations, Major League Baseball, you know, NHL, whatever, because they're not handling this in an appropriate way, or at least didn't take it serious enough, or maybe the governing bodies of our, you know, our actual politics, our government aren't taking it seriously enough. We want to make sure this happens. We want to see it happen. We want to see it done in a safe way. It's it's about the media understanding, I think, that a lot of these organizations, these governing bodies don't they're not always honest. They don't always want to be completely upfront with what's going on. And we see that on a regular basis in a non COVID situation where people like, you know, there there's basically they're talking in code about injuries or they play coy about certain things or they wink at certain things. Like that's what I think the distrust comes from. And when, when people are talking about like, I don't know about this season or whatever, it's because we don't feel that the powers that be are being completely upfront about everything. Yeah. And that's what's frustrating about it. And so fancy that fancy reporters and commentators go, you know, I, this is looking unlikely. We don't know about it because we're saying that because we don't feel that we have a completely honest and open relationship with the people who are administering this stuff. And the reason why they're not being completely honest and open is because financially they're trying to hang on to whatever they can, you know, maintain. They want to make sure that if they can wring any kind of money out of 2020, they're going to do that as much as they possibly can. And as a result, that requires them not to be completely upfront about everything all the time. When you're talking about something like a pandemic, that is where I personally think that's, that's not really right. You've got to be super, super upfront with people. And I don't know. I, I think there's just a lot of frustration in the media with these organizations because they're they're acting as if this is kind of like situation normal everybody's going to do everything and blah 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 when it's not and i don't know i understand why somebody would be frustrated you know when people are being predictive about things that they don't have a lot of information about but the reason why they're saying this stuff is because they're assuming the worst because they're not getting the information from these larger governing bodies that they would like that they would want um I don't know. It, it's not that you shouldn't ever trust people like Gene Smith. I'm not, I'm not implying that. I'm not saying he's untrustworthy or anything like that. But what I am saying is that when you have a lack of transparency, that causes people to worry. And yeah, for sure. That's fair. I think that's completely fair. That's a fair reaction. I want sports to happen. I also want people to be honest about what's happening. Um, yeah. And it doesn't feel sometimes like that's the case. Well, when you're the, talking the about financial interest is there. When you're talking about transparency, I mean, it's two things. One, it's it's not that you don't trust those individuals. It's that you have to understand and acknowledge what their incentives and biases are. Of course. So if right. you're an athletic director at Ohio State, your bias is toward not having to, you know, cut $80 million out of your budget because exactly. you don't have college football revenue. Or, you know, at the same the same part of that, you go to the, the um, transparency from the outside looking in standpoint. I always use this example. When you're, when you're a kid and you're scared of the dark, you're not scared of darkness. You're scared of what you can't see that might be out there trying to eat you. <laughs> That's right. And so it's the same thing when you're talking about, you know, colleges, 
uh, that aren't releasing, let's say, COVID data as an example. It's not that you're scared of not knowing. It's that you assume that whatever it is that they're keeping from you must be bad. Yeah. Because you don't know. So you just, you know, John John Boehner, who's a Speaker of the House from, from the great state of Ohio, used to use the phrase, you know, sun, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Uh, and that's, I, I tend to fall on, on that side of things when you're talking about some of this data that these college athletic departments like to keep locked up. And Ohio State's as guilty of it, more so maybe in some cases than any. Um, if you don't have to release it, you know, you don't, you just reflexively keep it bottled up. And, and so then people have reason to question. There may be nothing there, right? There, right. there may be nothing there. Um, the, these, these schools may all be clean as the new fallen snow, but without releasing the data, you don't know. Right. And, and so there's just, you know, Clay Travis can say everyone. And, and I understand that for him, that's also part of his financial incentive to kind of get people really pissed off and say, yes. well, I'm telling, I'm, I'm the optimist. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you what other people won't say. So therefore you should listen to me. That's a financial incentive for him too. He's trying to, you know, boost his brand and all that stuff, which has led to a very fun uh, <laughs> fight between two of the worst people on Twitter, him and, and Darren wow, Ravel. Didn't I'm it though? By. Um, but he had, he, Ravel was correct when he talked about it. Like, you don't, you know, car crashes aren't contagious. Um, the point is though, overall is that nobody's rooting for the virus to do anything, but completely go away. Uh, there's yeah. just a lot of people who are suspicious that that will actually happen, given the fact that mm-hmm. 150,000 people have died and it's not going away. And it looks like it's sticking around for quite a bit. Um, hopefully, hopefully things change quickly and we can have football season. But I think it would be naive and wrong to tell people that that's that that's looking like a certainty or a probable probability at this point in time. Um, so that's, that's the, the angsty stuff that we start off with. I do want to make an awkward transition into something a lot more fun, which I guess is nostalgia, right? Nostalgia is always fun, especially for the high state man. There's a lot to draw from and Ramsey, our writer, editor, you know, ex- bon vivant extraordinaire, uh, went on BTN to talk about Holy Buckeye. If you didn't see it, that's on you. Um, you should definitely check it out if you can. And, and I, I'm sure they'll rerun it. 10,000 times, but he talked about Holy Buckeye and where he was and, and kind of gave the story behind it. He also wrote an article about it on um, our website, which you can definitely check out and should, if you have not read it, which I just, first of all, I love talking about anything related to that national championship season, because it's just, it seems like Ohio state can really only win national championships when there's complete and utter chaos happening. And I really, really appreciate that Ohio State just exists in this insane little like chaotic bubble, uh, you know, every decade or so. Um, So that was fun. And kind of reliving those moments is really fun. And, you know, of course, you have Trestle and Krenzel, who's wearing a bomb ass suit on that (laughs) particular program. Uh, Pretty great. Pretty great. I just love that guy. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. So I just want to ask you, Andy, do you have any specific memories of that game or any particular game uh, during that season? Because I do actually have a story about the Purdue game and Holy Buckeye, which isn't maybe that interesting, but I, I think it's kind of reflective of the attitude and the feelings that we had as fans during that entire season. Yeah, I mean, it they were the cardiac kids for a reason, right? It was, it was yeah. just a wild, wild season. So that year, um, I was I was working. So I was an undergraduate at the time, and was working 
for the National FFA organization, um, which folks who aren't familiar, that's, you know, we used to call it Future Farmers, but I was working for the mm-hmm. National FFA as a leadership conference trainer where I would go to um, different parts of the country. It was in Louisiana at one point, it was uh, uh, California, different schools, um, different states uh, would invite us out to go and deliver a leadership workshop for high school agriculture education students. So I was in um, Colorado Springs, Colorado, just down the street from NORAD. Like you could see the antenna <laughs> sticking out of this mountain. You're like, oh, there's there you NORAD. Go. You know, this is the this is where you're watching war games or something. This Fantastic. is where it all happens, right? So was delivering this leadership conference, and Ohio State is playing this you know, this very important game while I'm delivering this leadership conference. So we break for lunch, um, or had an afternoon break or something, and I kept running in and out of the conference into like the hotel bar where for whatever reason, this game was on in the hotel bar (laughs) in Colorado Springs. There you go. And you know, I keep getting these updates. Like I would sneak in every chance I could get. And so then finally, you know, as it gets down to the wire, we we had a break in between sessions or something. And I just was like, okay, I don't care if I miss the next session or not. I'm going to be here (laughs) until this thing is over. And holy Buckeye, was it worth it? You know, it was just, it was incredible. So yeah, I will, I wonder, I will always remember running in and out of the conference, you know, as a, God, what was I probably you know, 20 years old or something? I shouldn't have even been yeah. in a hotel bar, I suppose, but kept running in and out of the hotel bar to see my team play this game. And I wonder if anybody uh, during that Purdue game actually watched it in a normal fashion because I didn't, I, I was, I, I have my own story about that. Ramsey was talking about how he's at a wedding in a tuxedo and he's, you know, like going crazy in Chicago. Um, yeah, I guess maybe there was some like, you know, somebody spying on Iraq or whoever in Cheyenne mountain <laughs> and they're all, you know, they're like, oh God, they're holding hands and they're just waiting for the fourth down play to happen. Um, I, so that's a great story, by the way. That's that's fantastic. I was I was a high school senior at the time, and my cousin Andrea um, was living up here in Columbus, and I was actually visiting her. And the reason why I was visiting her was not Ohio State related in any way at all, which is weird because that was around the time I was actually applying to go to Ohio State, and I could have gone to campus, but I didn't. Um, cause I guess I had, you know, I had taken a visit the, you know, the year before, but, um, I actually had gone to see the, uh, like a playoff game, Ohio state high school boys soccer playoff game at crew stadium, because I wanted to go to crew stadium and she had tickets and these, and because she was, she worked for the Ohio high school athletic association, um, pretty high up so i could go pretty much wherever in the stadium i felt like which to me as a high school senior i thought that was a huge freaking deal so i'm like in the press booth and all this other stuff and it was it was a good time i don't remember who was playing i don't remember the outcome of the game but i remember just kind of wandering around crew stadium and geeking out of the fact that you have this pristine soccer field you know i was a soccer player in high school um but in the meantime of course the Ohio State Purdue game is going on. Now, I did not expect that to be a big deal. I, I knew I was going to miss a certain chunk of it, but they had it playing on the TVs, you know, in the press box and, and around the stadium and whatnot, so people could keep up with it. And, you know, I really did not anticipate having to care about that game so much. I, yeah. I was hoping Ohio State would kind of dominate. And then when I was noticing that they weren't, I was like, okay, well, this is I, – I, I can't do two things at once. I cannot – 
split my attention here. So I just kind of paid attention to the game, uh, the, you know, the soccer game, what was going on. I was like, I'm going to stress out way too much if I keep going back to this. So the game's over. We're driving back home to Middletown and the radio is on. We're listening to the game on the radio and it gets to the, you know, the fourth down play to Holy Buckeye. And uh, <laughs> on the broadcast, once that play hits, everything just goes completely haywire goes completely crazy now i assumed that the field noise was purdue fans reacting positively to what had happened so i thought oh that's it season's over game's over awful blah blah and i just angrily turned off the radio we still (laughs) have an hour to drive so we drive back uh you know i'm i'm pouting and i sit in (laughs) one of the chairs of my parents house and uh, my mom's like, how about that game? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, no, maybe you should turn on the TV. And so I'm flipping around looking at ESPN, <laughs> and then I finally realized that Ohio State actually won the game. And I was like, oh, maybe, 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 maybe there's something to this season after all. And, uh, you know, obviously it turned out the way it did. Now, for the national championship game, I was actually on a, at a swim meet for half of it. And I, I've told this story before, but we, I was on a you know school bus watching it on a three-inch portable TV screen for the most part. Um, and then I watched the last quarter at home, and that was pretty fantastic. But I, I, it feels like every time somebody has a story about this, it's either them leaving early for some reason or not in a location where they would ideally want to be while watching the game. Uh, or they miss it entirely. I, I want to hear from somebody who actually was in a comfortable environment or at the game itself when it was happening, because I think that would be pretty dope. I I don't know. That, that would be pretty sweet. Do you have any – were you able – because you were an undergrad, right? Yeah. Which of those games that you attend – so do you, did you go to the Michigan game? Were you there for that? I, I No, I was not at that Michigan game. Andy. Um, and it's, I, you know, back to my thing, like I was working these leadership conferences, like my schedule was all over the place. So I bought sure. my student tickets every year faithfully. And I, I, I sold them more often than not just because I was going to be out of town or, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, if you I traveled quite either, a lot yeah. and, sure. and, you know, looking back, it's one of those things that I, I had some great memories of going to games with my roommates and so on, but I, I missed more than i actually attended and, and you know much to my everlasting regret later on um i savor every time we go to a game in the stadium now just all of those little things that make being you know in the shoe great the ramp entrance and buckeye battle cry and the, you know drum major with the back bend gets me every time i always tear up yeah. a little when we sing carmen ohio as an alumni base uh that that's that's a true thing i don't know why i always get i always get choked up during that song it's uh it, it's always been that way but but anyway the thing that you know that whole season i mean that whole season was just magic right i think it was like seven oh, yeah. seven games you know obviously i mean counting the the title game when jim trestle actually ended uh, miami football the um <laughs> seven games i think under a touchdown you know within a touchdown because you you go down through um uc let's see uh northwestern was just over i guess that was 11 uh let's see uc wisconsin so at wisconsin was within a touchdown penn state was within a touchdown uh obviously holy buckeye Purdue and the Illibuck, right? Or uh, Purdue, doggone it. Illinois and the Illibuck uh, game went to overtime um, and, and ended up being a seven point affair. And then the Michigan game, obviously, we talked, you mentioned. 
than the than the big dance. Like, isn't that wild? Think about that. Yeah, no, it's it, wild. Well, <laughs> they were all. It felt like they were all nail biters. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's the thing. I did not. I think physically, mentally, I enjoyed that season. Physically, I don't know how much stress an eighteen-year-old body really. And I guess at that time I was only 17. A 17 year old body can really endure. <laughs> like I haven't really, I haven't really accumulated a lifetime of dealing with hardcore stress at that point. So when I'm, when I'm every Saturday just kind of sweating buckets for no reason other than a football team, it's, it's something that sticks with you uh, for a little bit. I think that was, yeah, that was a really stressful season to live through. Um, I don't know that there's been any kind of equivalent in, in Ohio State sports sense with something like that. The uh, other thing um, this this conversation reminds me of. So in um, the pace, uh, David had a piece on the site about the things we learned from BTN's Holy Buckeye Showcase, and he mentioned King Wright sixty four Y shallow swap the play itself. Yes, and it's probably a good time to remind friends that the Dubcast is brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at Eleven Warriors, and you can buy a T-shirt, one of the classic plays of Buckeye history T-shirt with King Wright sixty four Y shallow swap. One of my favorite shirts in my arsenal because uh, a lot of times when I'm when I'm wearing it especially around people who aren't Ohio state fans, they'll see and they're like, what is that? And then you can relive the magic of Holy Buckeye all over again. If they didn't know what uh, King Wright 64, why shallow swap was, but I loved hearing Trestle talk about like, that's just a play. It was just a play. It wasn't like some special magical shot at the end <laughs> right. zone that it turned out to be. Yeah. It was just a play that we call. Uh, right. And I love that. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's that's kind of what his response would be to literally any play he's ever called in his career. Though I don't, you know what I mean. Like I don't know. If there's any play where it's like, yeah, I, you know, I had that one sit in my back pocket for a long time. Like, I don't think there's any particular Dave play where he was like, yeah, it's Dave, my favorite Dave, oh, Dave. Um, I loved. That's but, great. Yeah, but the whole thing's fantastic. Again, make sure you check it out. I'm sure they will rerun it and and probably have ample opportunity to do so. Um, in the coming months and weeks. So check it out if you haven't already. Definitely look on the site for Ramsey's article about that. It's one of his favorite things. and uh, Which is a great series that you should totally be reading. Yeah, yeah. It's kind great. of the opposite of your awesome series, um, which everyone <laughs> should be reading uh, the worst. So those two right. kind of fit you gotta on. Have the, you got to have the sour with the sweet, you know, the good the, with the, the bad. The, the Jedi um, need the Sith, you know, however you want to yeah, look exactly. at it. <laughs> You can't have you can't have light without darkness, uh, <laughs> which is a role I'm happy to fulfill. People people kind of earlier in the series like, why would I read this? And I'm like, I don't know. Why would you read that? <laughs> it's fine. You know, because it's funny. Put it on your tombstone, right? That's why. I hope you enjoy the you know and, the absurdity of what I write about. And and last week's uh, edition about the Gator Bowl. I mean, it literally was the worst. Like, oh my god, <laughs> what? What a useless three hours of my life. I don't think there is any point in time where I've watched football and more regretted doing it. There was no, like, I watched an Ohio State game that sucks because Ohio State wins by 70 points or something, but that was a win, right? Like, that at least that meant something, or even a loss where I get really PO'd about it. I felt an emotion about it, you know? Yeah. Like, I had yeah. some kind of, you know, intrinsic emotional reaction to what was happening. The Gator Bowl was just like three and a half hours of sitting in a void, right? I was in purgatory. There was no reason for me to pay any attention to it whatsoever. 
And yet I did. And I don't remember anything that happened in that game. And that was essentially the theme of my. <laughs> I, I do have to say, like, there is one thing that really bothered me about um, your your treatment of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will grant you that, you know, when you are talking about a six and six team facing a six and six team, we should have should have called this the futility bowl. But yeah. you didn't take any shots. At it being the taxslayer.com I know I yeah. bowl. Like that I, I felt like that was teed up, you know, for some trademark Johnny Lee Ginter incisive wit at was, the expense of a, a an LLC sponsor that no one's ever heard of since or before. It was a I'm gonna lie. And and maybe I've just, <laughs> you know, I've been waiting for the battle frog opportunity to pop up. Oh so wow, battle frog unleash yeah. on that. Um, but you're right. That was, that was a bit of a miss. So the battle frog thing always bugged me because I, uh, you know, we were talking about our favorite sports video games an episode or two ago. Mm-hmm. This is not a sports game in any way, stretch or form, but for the super Nintendo, which was a great platform that I loved, uh, we had a game called battle frogs. Oh, of course. Uh, battle, battle toads. I mean, battle toads. And, uh, so when the battle frog poll was announced, I was like, Hey, wait, wasn't that a game I played in like, the Battle Toads game would a Battle Toads sponsored bowl would be way more entertaining. That would have been amazing. Any other sponsor? Did you oh, have that no, game? Yeah. You played that game? Uh, I attempted to. It's one of the hardest games ever made. There, there are a number of just basically impossible sections of that. Yes. I remember sitting uh, with a friend of mine when I was a little kid and, and trying to beat it. And I swear we probably spent three weeks on that thing and never got past like the second level. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, right it's a notoriously difficult and stupid game, but it, that means that it should definitely be a sponsor for a bowl. So yeah, it. it's a shame. And so um, but, but battle frog ended up being like uh front for money laundering or something, right? They, Andy, you know, I, mean, I, I know, know, all you know, games are a front, you know, but I, mean, I, I believe that literally, literally this one bowls are actually that <laughs> like, that's not a joke. And I, I hope. Honest to God, I hope that we have a football season so I can go off on that again because it's so, – okay, I'm not even going to get into it. But my point is <laughs> is that we need to have football so this absurdity can be discussed and I can potentially be sued for, you know, like libel and slander. But anyway. I, sw- I swore there was a story because, I mean, Battlefront lasted all of about 12 minutes. Yeah. It was it was not, an obstacle race or something along those lines. It was, right? it was supposed race, to be like yeah. the, the you know one of like these mud race. run type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, if I if I'm reading, um, you know, God bless Wikipedia, but they were you know announced like one season in 2015. They they sign up as the 2016 Fiesta Bowl sponsorship, and then like what went out of business in 2016. So right, like they were in business less than a year, I think. Yeah, festival sponsorship didn't do it for him. I mean, I, <laughs> I actually, what would be a really great article would be to see like what, like where are they now with a lot of these sponsors, and see yeah. how many of them have actually, um, you know, gone out of business in the intervening months and years since they sponsored a bull, and then also how many have uh, uh, similar um, sponsors of benefactors. I mean, I'm I'm still peeved, frankly, at Tostitos because was there ever a more perfect sponsor. I mean, it's the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. It's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would accept avocados from Mexico. <laughs> um, 
you know, that I'm thinking of other commercials that I've heard lately, like avocados from Mexico. That'd be fine. You could do party city. You could do that with a Fiesta Bowl, Party City. Yeah, there you go. And that would work. Uh, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, eh, it just lacks a little something. Yeah, it does. I it agree. just lacks a little something. I agree. Um, so as Andy mentioned, we are sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com. It is drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Masks, don't want to forget that. Big item recently. A lot of great stuff on there. Um, and, and protect you and keep you safe and healthy. So definitely, you know, check out one of those. And some of that money goes to, to charity, the Mid-Ohio Food Bank. So that's a fun thing, too. Um, we also want to remind you that if you want to send us questions for Ask Us Anything, which we're going to do right now, please send them to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11 dubcast on twitter i want to start with this this actually isn't a question but i'm just really happy about it uh matt in minneapolis sent us a picture um and maybe i can see if i can put it on the actual um post but i guess uh they're selling like arcade cabinets at best buy including one with uh nba jam which is pretty yeah so if you got some disposable income that might be something to check out uh nba jam really to me is like the quintessential arcade like box but i will also say that my family proud and when i say my family i mean like my mom dad sister mother we dropped a ton of money on the simpsons arcade game <laughs> where we yeah. all took our appropriate positions yeah at, so like my sister was lisa i was bart my dad was homer that was fun. that was good times um and also uh another arcade box that we really enjoyed um wasn't I don't it wasn't like a sports game. <laughs> it's really stupid. There was an Aerosmith themed shooter game <laughs> at yeah. one of the movie theaters that we went to, and That's we awesome. played that damn thing all the time. And the X-Men game, the X-Men arcade. Oh, the X-Men game was a classic. The X-Men it game, was. the other one the other one I liked, there was um there was one with the Avengers that was basically oh, the yeah, same setup really as good. the X-Men game, right? I mean, it's just your yes. traditional multiplayer scroll you know, scroller type of deal. And it, and it was also fantastic. And again, yeah. uh no, oh, most I think it was most of the Avengers that were in uh, the MCU because you had uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk. I think Hawkeye actually was maybe yeah one of the the you know like Thanks, the purple Carl, version Carl, of I can't remember. I'm trying to remember who the fifth one would have been, but at at any rate, you know the other cool thing about this NBA Jam thing at Best Buy you're talking about, it comes with a stool. Yeah, oh, like, well. like you know the classic. You're gonna be of, spending a lot of time playing it, so I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's uh, I will. I will say this on the bucket list of things that Andy will spend stupid money on someday. Uh, you know, when my career as a podcaster pays off big, uh, is a Kiss pinball machine. There will be one <laughs> in in my basement, uh, man cave, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. We had a Kiss pinball machine when I was a kid. I don't know if I've told this story in the Dubcast before, have I? I don't think so. So. I don't know where it came from, um, but in our garage, we had two pinball machines. One was like, I want to say it was like a snow theme, like skiing, like downhill skiing. And mm. it was the kind of pinball machine that you could like buy in the JCPenney catalog at Christmas time. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's a little smaller than a normal pinball machine. Um, you know, no, obviously not a, a, a name brand kind of um, theme to it, but you know, it's, valley's downhill skier or some crap like that right. it was fine it was fine we, we we loved that but we had the kiss pinball machine the actual real legit kiss pinball machine i don't know where awesome. dad found it you now found it bought it for a couple hundred bucks 
Um, you know, he had to solder some of the connections back together. You know, it wasn't in super great shape when he got it, but fixed it up, bought some relays and parts for it. I think it was amazing. Loved going out after school into the garage to play the Kiss Pinball Machine. And then, you know, after we'd had it for some years, there's a, a farmer down the road that huge Kiss fan, huge, like has one room in his house that's just full of Kiss memorabilia, like the Kiss lunchbox. And Kiss has branded every conceivable piece of merch. <laughs> yeah, Gene Simmons. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a single item that Gene Simmons is no. not branded. No, every, I mean, everything you can imagine Kiss has, has licensed at some point. And, yeah. and, um, our, our neighbor friend, David has all of them, all of it. And <laughs> so he finally made dad the proverbial offer. He couldn't refuse on the Kiss pinball machine because he needed the Kiss pinball machine to, you know, complete the collection. Of course. And, and at the time it was kind of like, oh yeah, okay. That's, that's cool. All right. No big deal. And now all these years later, I'm like, why in seven hells did we let go of the Kiss Pinball <laughs> Machine? And so we will someday have a Kiss Pinball Machine again, I can promise you. Oh, yeah. You. Very high on my list. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Definitely thing. Definitely got to get it back. And I, so I was actually thinking a little bit of um, uh, sports games that we didn't mention. And one of the things that I uh, recently became aware of is, not aware of, I guess, but maybe I just kind of got interested in, is all of the really, really garbage Olympic themed games that were back in the day. Yeah. Because, you know, every, you know, four years they would come out with a new Olympic video game, just a, a quick tie in, you know, cash grab, whatever. And they're almost universally horrific. However, there is one video game from the NES called Caveman Olympics, and it is the most insane <laughs> thing. I really recommend people look it up, go to YouTube, whatever, watch uh, somebody do a, like a run through of caveman Olympics. It is psychotic for so many different reasons. Uh, they have like one game where you spin a caveman by their hair, like a, like a, you know, a, what do they call it? Um, you know, where they've got the ball and you know, the, like the, the, like the hammer throw. Yeah, the hammer throw. But instead of a hammer throw, you're spinning another caveman by their hair. <laughs> and then throw it. they've got like a pole vault where you're like jumping over a dinosaur's like a, you know, a Diplodocus's, you know, head or whatever. And oh, that's you can increase the size of the neck. Uh, they have uh, a speed fire game where you like, you try to light a fire while simultaneously trying to prevent somebody else from lighting a fire. The whole thing is just completely nuts. And I really, really, really recommend people look at it because it's hilarious. And, and the best part about this is I'm looking at it is that, Olympics is spelled U G H dash oh, yeah. Olympics. Yeah. You, know, it's, came, you can uh, do different uh, like they Olympics. have biographies for the different cavemen that you can do, and they're all like insane, like goofy crap, you know, about living in this awful caveman life. It's great. It's absolutely great. They're all names like Ugh and Uga and just yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so that's pretty good. We also have a question here. This is this is really good. I actually feel bad for not having a, a very good answer for it. Uh, but this is from Matt as a, a different Matt. Um, and Matt wants to know, he, he kind of gets into this, but he, he was talking to us about how we're kind of um, getting into history about Ohio. And we mentioned that on the dubcast quite a bit. And he says, as the subject implies, I'm taking a slight jab at the fact that history on the show is usually civil war related, <laughs> which That's, is fair. That is yeah. definitely when I'm talking about Ohio history, that is definitely where I focus on. That's where my area of expertise is. Um, he says he's going to blame Ohio State's professors, uh, John Gilmartin and Alan Millett, and their classes on the Vietnam War and World War II for his historical wheelhouse being strictly 20th century. Gilmartin, very good professor, by the way. Um, but I know there is a lot more to Ohio history than either of these conflicts and wonders. If you have any recommendations, 
He recommends uh, Alan Eckert's The Conquerors, which is historical fiction rooted in letters and diaries from uh, the period. And William Hoagland's Autumn of the Black Snake, about a forgotten chapter of the campaigns against Ohio's Native Americans and how it led to the formation of a standing U.S. Army. Bonus, would anyone or anything from Ohio's history make a great replacement for the Indians? I'm all for the Cleveland Shermans. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? On, on that kind of wide ranging question? I think that's that's a, say, there's that's a, a really there's, good. Point, there's a lot way. in there. That's an outstanding yeah. uh, question. And you know, there my mind uh, like the question went several different places at um, at once. And and it's a fair it's a fair thing that we jump into the. There's just such a rich amount. I mean, I I was joking, and I really wasn't joking. I was semi serious. Over the weekend, I was talking with a couple of friends, and we got on the subject of civil war history and sure. and so on and you know i made the comment i said well all the good generals came from ohio you know like, <laughs> yeah. i mean ohio ohio won the war kind of deal and you go down through the list um and and actually i have i just got here within the last couple of weeks uh book on my bookshelf here and my two read pile is um called vicksburg uh author's name was donald l miller and it's it's the subtitles basically the campaign that broke the confederacy and of course it's focusing on general grant's um, Vicksburg campaign, but but at any rate, okay. So non Civil War related, one of the first things that came to my mind, not Ohio related, um, is and because you mentioned World War II and and Vietnam, um, is that we probably as a as a uh, cohort need to not forget Korea. We tend to gloss over. We'll talk about oh, you know yeah, World, World War One, World War Two, and, yeah. and Vietnam, and and then we we always for Korea is kind of the forgotten war, and it's and it's a real shame. Um, that, that we do that and give it such short shrift. There's a lot of great, you know, stories about um, the, the, the soldiers and Marines and airmen and sailors who, who fought there. Uh, but I've got a book on my bookshelf here back to Ohio history um, that, that I haven't read yet. I picked it up secondhand at like a book sale pre COVID obviously, but it's about um, Eddie Rickenbacker. And, and I oh, think um, Rickenbacker is a, a fascinating guy, you know, is one of the original, um, you know, aces and of course, m- you know, meant, meant quite a lot to the development of the aviation industry just in, in general. Um, so that's a, a book I picked up that's in my to read pile. Uh, I don't, I don't think that particular biography of him, it's just called Rickenbacker. Um, uh, I don't think it's in print anymore, but it's one of these kind of, um, you know, William Manchester type biographies that you can just pick up usually at a library type book sale or, you know, find it, you know, half price books. I may have bought this at half price books. I'm not sure, but I think yeah. that's a great story. If you're looking for somebody who's not uh civil war related, but as a, as a specific Ohio tie is to read about Rickenbacker and the 84th air squadron. So I don't know. Well, I've got a couple of books that I could recommend. One isn't necessarily specifically about Ohio, but along those same lines is a, a book called Moonshot, which is about, um, you know, the obviously the space program and things like that. And of course, it involves people from Ohio. That's that's a really good accounting of, you know, from an up close and personal perspective about that whole thing and you know there are lots of books that have been written about wilbur and orville wright for example i think that's sure a great bit of ohio history um i would say so there are three two of them are pretty broad and then one of them is really specific there are three things that i really like talking about with ohio history and that i think maybe 
one in particular is not discussed within the state as nearly as much as it should be. I think it should be an Ohio story as much as it is a national story. And I don't think it's talked about in that fashion. Uh, the first, though, is uh, the creation of the Northwest Territories, which to me is just a really fascinating piece of American history, in part because the Charter for the Northwest Territories is written by Thomas Jefferson, who banned slavery in the Northwest Territories despite being a slave owner. And that's that's a really fascinating story in of itself. Um, but just the idea that, you you know, Ohio and, you know, the future states surrounding it were considered to be the frontier and were really, you know, governed in that way for a really long time. The story about the conflicts between American Indians and the American government, it's just, it's a really interesting, um, an important piece of history, I think, that people need to get more into. The second one is the Underground Railroad. And I know that's that's kind of Civil War related and it's about the entire era, but really the, the history of the Underground Railroad, really, I think someone, if they haven't already, needs to look at it more through a lens specifically of the state of Ohio, because the state of Ohio was the most important conduit for the Underground Railroad. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's really arguable. When you look at the amount of, well, first of all, it's geographic location, but also the amount of like stops in the Underground Railroad and the people who were helping out. And of course, you've got, you know, famous people in Ohio who were really helping facilitate it. Um, there's just, there's a lot going on in the state regarding that. that. That's something that needs to be explored more. But Ohio was a really conflicted state when it came to the Civil War, even though we have all of these generals that come from it. And even though we really fostered the Railroad through, you know, a lot of religious uh, leaders and a lot of people who are abolitionists, there are also the Copperheads who had a huge, huge impact on the state politically who wanted to appease the South and kind of get along with the South and didn't have problems with slavery. Um, so Ohio has always been kind of divided politically, even going back 150, 170 years. And I think that's that's a really interesting story. The last one I want to talk about, and I I don't get a chance to to really gush about this story very often. So I'm really glad that Matt sent in this this question. Um, Andy, have you heard of the court case Matt v. Ohio? I don't think I have. Okay. All right. I cannot, I don't have the time to get in. We don't, I could spend an entire hour talking about this court case. Matt v. Ohio essentially established a lot of the protections that people have when it comes to searches and seizures, particularly when it comes to having a warrant to search the premises um, of a place. And uh, a lady named Dalry Mapp was a woman in Cleveland who was kind of like known in the community as a, a power broker for, um, things that were like not strictly illegal, but maybe less than legal. And so she was friends with uh, Don King, for example, right? Like, you know, Don King, you know, the boxing promoter and whatnot. Don King was in Cleveland. Don King actually just prior to this court case happening in the 1950s had his house bombed and Dollary Mapp was accused of harboring a fugitive uh, who was accused of uh, bombing his house. Now she actually was (laughs) hiding him, but it also turned out that he hadn't done anything. Um, so anyway, the point is, is that police come in without a search warrant. There's a whole great story about her standing up to the police. Um, she was adamant because she knew that what was going on was not right. They actually arrested her on a indecency charge because she had like those Tijuana Bibles. Uh, cause she, she basically kept a boarding house where people would come in and out. And so some guy had come in and like, you know, left those like, you know, Popeye and olive oil having sex and stuff oh, and left oh. in one of her dressers. And so she was arrested for uh, obscenity. Um, wow. And so this case goes all the way to the Supreme court. 
uh, initially it was going to be a first amendment case. The ACLU was defending her and saying like, okay, you know, th this is stupid. But then uh, a really clever lawyer was like, and by the way, this is a fourth amendment violation. Yeah. We need to look at it through that lens. And that's what really established a lot of these search and seizure uh, things. So there, she is just, she died a few years ago. Um, but she's a really, really incredible person to learn about. And it's, it's such a fascinating story. <laughs> Um, I really recommend people check that out. If you can actually look that up on YouTube, uh, the Annenberg, um, I can't remember what the full name of the thing, but look up Annenberg map v. Ohio. And it's, it's, they've got a really cool kind of mini documentary on YouTube that I've shown to my students for years. And it's, it's just fun as hell. So That's it's a awesome. great story. Check it out. Learn as much as you can about it. She's an amazing woman. It's a really important case. So that's my, that's my bit of Ohio history that people need to know more about. Very um, cool. Yeah. And, and of course, when we talk about Vietnam War, you know, there are riots in Ohio State and they shut down campus and all that. So that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. Um, but Ohio's got a great and really rich history. And I, I think people need to, to learn more about it because it's fun as hell. And it teaches you about a state that I think has had a lot of um, internal conflict, you know, and trying to decide who it wants to be and what it wants to be and what it wants to support. And it's to me, it really is kind of a microcosm of the struggles that we have throughout the country. So yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. So again, Matt, thank you so much for asking that question. I, I love talking about this stuff. And you're right. It does get a little Civil War centric. Um, I, I love talking about that. And I think that should be a point of pride for Ohioans. But you're right. There's so much more to talk about um, in the state's history because it's it's an important state. And it's, a, it's an interesting state. So thank you for sending that in. And that's Ask Us Anything. And that is also the Dubcast um, so hopefully next week we can, we can come back with some good news. We'll be on a, you know, a positive note. Um, and we'll keep answering those questions. So until then I'm Johnny, I'm Andy, and we'll see you next time.